Welcome to Pharmacy View, technology and pharmacy business podcast series, where we provide regular interviews with pharmacists and key industry people within the Australian pharmacy and associated industry. In each podcast, we look to discuss aspects of pharmacy operation and how technology is improving or interacting with each guest's current role or pharmacy-related business. I'm your host, Scott Carpenter, and today's guest is sponsored by Propel, the Australian distributor of iHealth and Heartbeats products. iHealth is the global leader in consumer-friendly mobile health devices that enable individuals to take an active role in managing their personal health. iHealth was the first company in the world to produce an iOS-connected blood pressure monitor, and through Propel, iHealth devices are TGA-approved. Our guest today is Craig Simmons, CEO and founder of Propel Proprietary Limited. Welcome, Craig. Thanks, Scott. Looking forward to our chat. Same here. So, Craig, if my memory serves me, we first met back in the mid-2000s, and I'm sure there's many others in this pharmacy industry who know you, but for any listeners today that may not, who is Craig Simmons? Thanks, Scott. Yes, I've been in the pharmacy industry for about 15 years, and for about nine of those years, I was involved in HealthPoint, the touchscreen company providing information to pharmacies. And I ended up running that business and uh, we got the business to around about 800 pharmacies across the country. And that was uh, now just over six years ago. Prior to that, my background has very much been in retail and in product and design. I actually did a cadetship with Grace Brothers initially, which is kind of a, a bizarre thing. You wouldn't even think about that or a Grace Brothers doesn't exist. Take a Anymore, yeah, mind. no, there's a, there's a name I haven't said for a while. <laughs> and so it was when department stores were the the big things, and the, yes. the, they were the power brokers of retail. And you know, cadetships were a big thing. And I remember it was a three year cadetship while I was studying at uni part time. And I went from there to the buying office of David Jones. So I went to the competitor, and uh, I was in the men's shoes buying office for a number of years, and that's where I really love getting into into product, and I was very much, you know, seeing all the trends and where things were going, and I love that side of it. And then I switched to the other side, and I became a supplier. I think my first job was with Pacific Dunlop, another company that well, doesn't yeah, exist. Well, nothing, nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, but it it really fascinated me. For that's where you really get involved in in not so much designing, but but seeing new things and that's always got me excited and also you start really develop having long-term relationships with people which is what I I really loved so I was in the shoe business for a while I, I moved to another company called Dyna Frary and Dyna Frary was in the 1990s and early 2000s one of the biggest lady shoe brands in Australia and I was their shoe designer so I was their shoe designer for a number of years and I used to travel the world looking at ladies' feet. And I, of course, I love that. That was also fascinating because you're looking at so many different things and I would visit lots of different types of retail stores and this was before online ever existed. And I love that design focus and trying to listen listen to where people are at but also where things are going. So that was a really exciting part of my life. My wife certainly really liked that part because she got some great shoes out of it. I'm sure. <laughs> um, yes. And I think my male friends were very jealous about that, which, I mean, in the end, it actually becomes a job. So you get passionate about it, but then you 
you move on. The I left that industry, China really opened up and uh, I thought it was time for me to have a change and I could see the fashion industry was very much changing and becoming, as it is today, really non-branded and in that mass market. And I also always wanted to get into the health industry and uh, I'd been exposed to the pharmacy industry a little bit and uh, that's the industry I wanted to get into because I really loved the way that people were really passionate about helping people. Uh, not so much in the fashion industry. It's more emotional rather than anything else. So I moved to, I ended up moving to HealthPoint and it's when it was a very different company and I was moved to the general manager and we were able to evolve that company into a much bigger company. But then I also found that the market changes and we had to find new things. And I remember being at an overseas trade show and I saw this little stand with these guys sitting behind a little table and they had these cookie little boxes. And I said to them, what is that? And they said, this is eye health. And then they told me what it was. And I thought, yeah. oh my gosh, this is a game changer. And it was at that stage, they just had some blood pressure monitors, which linked to an app. And I actually remember seeing an eye health device in a pharmacy in the UK, because I used to go to the UK a lot for the health point business. And I remember buying one, which is kind of ironic, because I saw this amazing piece of technology in a, it's a, in a boots pharmacy and going, I've just got to buy that because it was just cool. Yes. Yep. And it came full circle. And yeah. So I guess that that's the, the evolution of, of eye health, which is you know, what you've brought then into Australia. Mm. Um, and certainly your, I guess, yeah, as I mentioned, our early days, I think the first time we met was when I was involved in the purchase of a pharmacy that had one of the health point units. And I think that's when we first chatted, yeah. it would have been in the mid, mid 2000s. But I certainly remember bumping into you when you started to introduce the eye health product range. And uh, I guess what I loved about them is this whole link to technology and this whole link to your you know, your app and your smartphone. And so talk to us a bit about that, because certainly the, the market's heading down that way, the internet of things, the fact that you can control appliances, lights, uh, you can communicate through your fridge these days from a, from a consumer point of view, but really this is this same internet of things, but in the health space, isn't it? It is. And what last year showed with COVID and for everyone, having to be at home and to be monitored remotely this is where the market's at when i first saw eye health those was now seven years ago mobile phones are, you know people were using them but not to the extent like you just said using them for their phones and garage doors and sprinkler systems and everything i could see i like the idea that i always saw the chronic disease market or health devices in pharmacies hadn't changed for 30 years. It was all the same. It was the same brands. It was the same product. There was proliferation of the same things. And I thought the problem was with those devices, it wasn't actually helping people in terms of doctors want to see a trend. Hospitals want to see a trend. With chronic disease, it's about what's happening over time, not at a point of time. And iHealth changed that because it linked to your phone. And once it links, a device links to your phone, you can see the reading, it stores the reading, you're not writing it down. So you're getting accuracy, and that's critical for health devices. Yes. And you're seeing a trend, and then doctors could see that, or a pharmacist could see that. And I go into pharmacies, and I say, I see pharmacies, about, someone will sit down, do their blood pressure, and they'll give them a piece of paper. And I go, that's not helping the customer, because they'll just chuck that piece of paper out. And I could see that iHealth was, was solving that problem, because the power was actually going to the patient or the customer, and they could have all their readings on their phone with them at all times. And that's what iHealth was able to do. And they, they started with just doing a blood pressure, as you said in the intro, 
they were the first company to have a blood pressure monitor linked to Apple. In fact, iHealth comes out of Apple. Okay. So based out of the US, iHealth is owned by a very large Chinese company. Apple and this very large Chinese company worked together to design this the first device. Apple approached this, the parent company, and on health. And iHealth was formed purely on that basis. So if Apple could say, well, we need to work with a company that is really good with devices and they couldn't do it themselves, but Apple wanted to make sure that you know, people would monitor their vital signs using an Apple phone. Yeah. So, so Craig, on that, just uh, I guess what's popped to mind then, if, if we talk about you know, the, the target of the people that might be listening to this uh, podcast today, say your pharmacists, how easy is it for me to share my trends with my pharmacist? Like, how does that happen? How does that work? So the easiest thing is as soon as you do your blood pressure or your oxygen saturation or your glucose, it's on your phone. The reading is on your phone. So the customer could actually come into the pharmacy, show them their phone. So on the app, there's it's going to show an image of the last reading, but also list all the readings. And there's 10,000 readings. The history. So yep. The history. And you can also plot it. You can also graph it. So a pharmacist might want to see it as a, as a list in a list format, or yeah. they could see it as a graphical. So the simplest way is the customer comes in, shows what's been happening over the last month. That's the easiest thing. Easiest thing to do. Yeah. So is there, I guess in terms of, as you mentioned before, the, the, the COVID distancing and, and lockdowns, is, is there a remote ability to share the information with doctors and pharmacists? Yes. And the, so all of the, the ability in the app is the information can be shared and can be emailed. So we have a lot of customers just email their results, particularly to doctors or to the hospital, or they can to the pharmacist. So they can just email their results. And that's the simplest way to do it. Where iHealth has evolved, Scott, is, and this is where the real reason for me doing iHealth was I could see, okay, great devices, beautiful design, easy to use, but where could we take this to that next level and have people at home and then having a doctor or even a pharmacist and certainly a hospital see their results remotely? And I remember very clearly National Pharmacies was actually one of the largest, was one of the first groups to, to back iHealth five years ago. And I was working closely with their, one of their senior managers and I remember being on a plane and I, we were talking about where iHealth could go. And I remember writing on a napkin on the plane a graph saying, okay, here's the device. The data goes to the cloud. The cloud then sends the information to a doctor. The doctor can see the readings. Three years later, that happened. And yeah, that's great. That became Health Beats. And I now have one of the largest remote vitals monitoring programs in the country. And COVID, every hospital is now looking at it because they, they need to keep people at home. So with that, the patients using the iHealth devices, exactly the same devices that are used in pharmacy, that are sold in pharmacy. Yep. But the doctor or the hospital will get an alert when that patient's reading is outside their threshold. Oh, outside the parameters. Okay. Outside yep. the parameter. And so yep. the, the doctor doesn't want to see, or the pharmacist, they don't want to see when a patient's fine. That's not the point of it. They don't care. They don't have time for that. Yeah. Is we want to see when someone's blood pressure is, if they'd set a threshold at 140 and their systolic went to 160, that's when they want to know about it. So if I gave you, a, I guess, an example close to my place or close to me is that mm. my um, father's based on the Central Coast of New South Wales. I'm, yeah. I'm based in Melbourne. The two times that I actually managed to get up there in uh, 2000, 
Tell me, I actually pretty much had to come back straight away yes. before I got locked out of Victoria or locked into Victoria, one of the two. So the idea here would be is that my father could have this unit. It could be connected to his smartphone. It could be linked to his doctor, and he's very close to his pharmacy because he's um, he's in home care. So his yeah. uh, pharmacy team actually drop his um, Webster packs to him every week and check on him, which is you know, great service, and he loves that. But yes. in effect, I could also be on that connectivity, on, on on that connection, or on that reading as well being you know, a thousand kilometres away. Uh, potentially, yes, Scott. Yes, you could. The main way is we want the people doing the triage because it, it is about the big thing that comes about with remote vitals monitoring is risk, which is understandable. And we want to make sure that who's ever doing the monitoring can actually do triage when appropriate. Yes. Yep. And the, the point of this is also, and one of the barriers with remote patient monitoring, because this has been talked about for the last 10 years, this is not a new thing. The CSIRO did a program in 2016 and they used very, uh, devices which were $5,000. So very expensive. And they had about uh, 100 patients. This is done in Queensland. And they showed very convincingly that the return on investment, they had to look at return on investment, was enormous. The, the reduction in hospital admissions, which is what this is also about. We want to stop people going to hospital. That's the number one focus that hospitals want. They want to stop people going to, into hospital when they don't need to. 30% of admissions to hospital are avoidable. And they're often to do with chronic disease. So hypertension and, and glucose and oxygen. So to be able to give people the ability to monitor themselves so that they can go, well, okay, I'm all right. I don't have to go to hospital. That's really important. So Craig, just, I guess as you've been talking that to me, another scenario has come to mind and exactly um, you know, a family member of mine probably the last two years hasn't been 100% health-wise and you know, we've probably been to doctors you know, once a month, if not once a fortnight, for yeah. the last two years and, and I think one of my frustrations was that every time we went to see a doctor or got referred to a specialist or got referred to the hospital it was another series of tests yeah. which were actually as you said at that point in time and it seemed like then there needed to be a second follow-up for another series of tests and, and what you're saying here is that for a series of vital signs my family member could have been on this monitoring device at home and I'm not saying they wouldn't have needed the other tests they probably yeah. would have but but effectively there could have been in the Year 2020, which we were trying to not travel outside of home in Victoria, Yeah, you know, there could have been this history of these vital signs, which may have helped through that period. Is That's what I think Ab I'm understanding. Absolutely. Self-monitoring is become so much more important. It's always been important. I mean, that's why pharmacies have got a wide range of blood pressure monitors. They may have a pulse oximeter. Every pharmacy should have a pulse oximeter, a respiratory. They'll have scales. They have blood glucose. Self-monitoring has been around forever. But the importance of it now is is more is key because the problem once again was before a patient couldn't monitor themselves. They didn't have their history. Now their history is on their phone. So your relatives could have had their history on their phone. They could just email their history to the doctor. The doctor would go, all right, this is where we're at. This is what we need to change, rather from them have to go in to see the doctor every. Two months. Two months. Yeah. So I guess on that basis, then you're, you're obviously getting a lot of traction within the hospital industry, which would, would all make sense. There must be a fairly big task ahead of you then to get this into the doctors, Alina? Yeah. I've learnt not to approach doctors. I did that in my early days of my business. I thought that was where that was. Ironically, that's not the market. The market is primary health networks. And one of the many things I've learnt having my own business is 
you just got to find different who is the funder. Yes. And because it's where the money is. Yes. And the primary health networks, of which there are 31 around the country, they are the funders for primary care around the country. Yes. And so I work closely with lots of primary health networks around the country. In fact, my largest client is Murray Primary Health Network, which is based out of Bendigo, and they look after primary care for all of Northern Victoria. Okay. So if you did a line from Bendigo North, every clinic, every primary care clinic is involved with Murray PHN. And one of their key missions is they have to stop or they have to reduce avoidable hospital admissions. Yes. They also have to get people to model themselves better. Their key mission is is that, reduce avoidable hospital admissions. Therefore, they're getting people back into the doctors rather than going to the hospital. But also, we've been talking about consumer-centred care and patient-centred care for the last five years. They're big buzzwords. What does that mean? It means is get the patient to look after themselves first. Yes. And that's where, so I don't go to the doctors. That I go to the PHNs. They're the ones who fund it. And then I work with the clinics. So tomorrow I'm in Seymour and Echuca and later next week I'm in up in Mildura and I work with the clinics and they're the ones who are working directly with the, the patients. And then as part of that, we get the pharmacies on board that want to be part of this program so that they can actually help offering the eye health devices. So they okay. get a direct impact through this remote monitoring program. Yeah, so I know the units themselves are not that expensive. So is the PHS, sorry, PHN funding around the service or the products or both? It's a SaaS model. So it's a software as a service model, which everyone likes. So um, it's simple. And that's where iHealth is really, the models that I work with are really lovely to work with because we we keep it as simple as possible. And my business model is keep things simple because if it gets complicated, I'm lost. (laughs) And I think also, I always think about the patient. Let's keep it as simple for the patient. So the HealthBeats, that's a monitoring platform and the devices are included in it. No one actually, the only person owns the devices is my company. So we have hundreds of patients in Northern Victoria. They get an eye health blood pressure monitor, scales, a BG monitor and a pulse oximeter, depending on what their chronic disease is. The uh, clinic lends out these devices, the patient will be on it for a 12-month program because it takes, you know, we've got to start with three months. We've got to, It really takes 12 months to change behaviour because we're looking at changing behaviour and then that patient will bring the device back and our aim and the PHN's aim is we, the chronic disease won't go away but we want to reduce the severity of it. So yes, yep. they give the device back, then... They'll go to the pharmacy and they'll buy exactly the same device. And we're talking a blood pressure monitor for $110 That's right. retail. Yep. So it's cheaper than, and this is a connected blood pressure monitor, which is cheaper than most of the, the main brands out there. Yes. And so they can then self-monitor. So we move them being remote monitored by the clinic to being self-monitored. So the goal is always to get them to be self-monitored. And again, if I, a little bit of history here is that certainly within my parents, they bought a, you know, the uh, blood pressure monitor a couple of years ago, which was the one that just kind of tells them at the instance what it is. But again, they've got to manually record their information. As you said, for around $110, 
ideal birthday or Christmas gift, which is you know often a challenge to to buy for aging. Yes, <laughs> they, don't, they don't want anything. They yes. don't need anything. But um, yeah. but again, you know, even my father, who's in he well and truly into his eighties, is very adept at his smartphone and iPad, yeah. and uh, and you know we we chat on a regular basis via the internet on on that basis. So so that kind of makes sense from that perspective. So before I come back to the pharmacy, on the TGA approval, would imagine there was a fair bit of work involved to to get all of that happening. Yes, I've. Um... In fact, just this morning, I'm doing more work on TGA approval for a new product that's coming through. So yes, I'm, we clinical validation and TGA approval is critical for eye health. Uh, there's a lot of rubbish products in the market, and I see them in pharmacy. I want to make sure that if I'm helping a patient, which is what my goal is, they have got a device that is TGA approved, that's clinically validated, yes. that's, and that's accurate. Yes. And so yes, we go through a lot of expense and a lot of time to get all of our products except the scales. I've got two types of scales. Scales don't aren't seen as a medical device, so they don't yeah. need TGA. But my blood pressure monitors, my pulse oximeter, my blood glucose monitors, I've got a thermometer, that's all TGA approved. Right. Okay. So and that, that then leads nicely into, so look, I'm certainly seeing your product range around uh, quite a few pharmacies that I'm involved in, but, mm. but you know, what's the depth of products these days? Is it three? Is it five? Is it 10 products? What's, what's um, out there at the moment? So I've got three blood pressure monitors, two monitors and one wrist monitor. I've got a pulse oximeter. I've got a blood glucose monitor. I've got two scales. And as of next week, I will have a ECG monitor. Okay. Which I'm very excited by and yes, and yes. the industry I know is very excited by. It will be a game changer, which I will be offering to Pharmacy, which will be because clinics are very keen on it and it will be more of a consumer product. Yes. So the range is very tight, Scott. Um, yep. I've always learned, and if I, when I go back to my shoe days, yeah, yep. work on the products that work. I do. Yes. I only have strong selling products. I have tested a couple of other eye health products. Yes. And if they don't work, I get rid of them quickly. Yeah, move them on out. I move them out. So very tight. And what I've learned with the pharmacies that I have is essentially every product can go into the product. There's a need for every product that I have. Yeah. So then linking that into pharmacy, and as I said, I, I know that quite a few products are already out there. The question is for, for say, a pharmacist listening to this today, where will I get the product from? But I guess at the same boat, you're obviously involved with a few groups out there. So talk to us about what groups you're, in, you're involved with, working with, and if I was a pharmacist looking to get some of your product range, where do I go? The first question I'd actually say to any pharmacist is, why do you want it? Yep. And I say that because... I want pharmacists to be able to help their customers with their chronic disease area. If chronic disease is not important to you, don't bother with it. If chronic disease is an area that you think you can really grow, which I think it really is important for pharmacy because no other channel can do it, then this is right for you. So I, API, four months ago, have put most of my range in, which is great and I'm really excited about. They've They've seen the value of digital health and it's taken a long time for it to happen. So API have got it in their sheds. Most of my pharmacies at the moment are direct, so they come straight through to me and, and that way I can work closely with the, the pharmacy. I want to make sure that that pharmacy sees it as, yes, my patient, this is going to help my patient better than my existing stuff. Every pharmacy has consumers with smartphones and if I, every pharmacy I tend to go to, everyone has the same range of devices. I can take a photo and do the same range. 
I say you are missing, if you don't have any digital devices, then you are missing out on a very large proportion of the consumers coming in. So if you want to be part of consumers that are using their phones, or if you want to be part of having consumers that really actively want to monitor their health, eye health is going to work really well for you. Okay. And yeah, and certainly, as I said, I've seen the evolution of your product range in my time. So if I've, if I'm a pharmacist and I've got an API account, I mm. can access through there, but do they still refer them to you for, I guess, initial discussions? Like where, um, how does that work? No, they, it's funny. I'm actually getting calls from people who've just bought it from our API, which is great. So no, they just, they just go through our API, get some product. If they want some training and I, I love doing the training and my, my team can help with the training because I, the risk monitor is a classic. The risk monitor is one of my best-selling products. And for most pharmacies that's and, and doctors as well, they'll go, don't go do the risk monitor. The problem is they're always seen as inaccurate. Ours is very different. Okay. And ours shows the readings that it, it's all about elevation to the heart. The risk monitors on the market don't show the correct elevation to the heart. Ours okay. on the actual risk monitor shows where it should be positioned in relation to the heart. And it only works once it's in the right position. Therefore, we get accuracy. Okay. So once you show that to staff and a pharmacist, they go, all right, I get that. And again, there's a great link, link in terms of the pharmacist providing that personal care yes. and support of the patient or the client, customer. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So look, while um, obviously including our show notes from today's discussion, your website address, and I would imagine that there's a contact form through that. I'll also include a link to your LinkedIn profile page yeah. from that perspective. Uh, are they the best ways to get in contact with you for anyone listening today that wanted more information or what's yeah. the best way? Yeah, that's it. And they just, just ring me on my mobile and love to have a chat. From that perspective as well. Yeah. So um, Craig, that's been great to chat today. And I kind of out of this got the feeling that there's probably more that we can talk about but it's kind of time running short now so we may uh, have another chat again in a month or two or, or if you're going to launch one of your new products and we want to talk specifically about that I think this is, really fits in nicely with this podcast series and that is technology and pharmacy and the use of technology with patient care before we kind of wrap up are there any other key points that you wanted to kind of bring to the table before we do that I think for pharmacy Scott the digital health is an enormous opportunity and that's what I say to every pharmacy, look at your chronic disease business and go, how can I help my patient better? That's right. And there's a there's a loyalty tie in there too as well, isn't there? Because if yeah. the client, patient, customer has purchased the unit and got the referral from the pharmacist, then there's that kind of tie back to them in terms of that overall care package, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. No, that's cool. Craig, thanks very much for the chat today and thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. There's certainly a lot of information there. For anyone listening today, the webpage, Propel Health, which I said I'll, I'll include a link in the show notes, has certainly got some really good, concise information there for anyone looking for some more. But uh, outside of that, thanks for your time today. It's been great to chat. Thanks, Scott. Thank you for listening today. Pharmacy View is a technology-focused podcast provided by Melbourne-based business Arian Technologies, and Shopfront Solutions. Over the podcast series, our guests include pharmacists, retail managers, wholesalers, suppliers, and industry technology partners. If you would like further information on our podcast series or to participate in one of our episodes, feel free to send me a message or touch base through the Pharmacy View website, pharmacyview.com.au.